Good morning on this uh, February 19th, 2021, for another episode of Maybe a Good Time to Listen. Today, we're going to do something a little different. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Today, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to do an expository lesson, meaning a verse at time. I'm going to be coming from St. John chapter 10 about the good shepherd and his sheep. Some of you have probably heard this a whole lot of times. Doesn't matter. Everything is, every time we go back into the Word of God, we should always get something new out of it because it's fresh, it's new. God doesn't let His Word get stale. He doesn't let himself get stale to us. So every time we read something, we should always get something new out of it. So let's get started. Now at this time, I believe Jesus was talking to the Pharisees. However, there was a crowd with other people there besides them. Nevertheless, this is what Jesus said. I say the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. See, if you have a bunch of sheep enclosed in an area, they call it a sheepfold back then, Maybe they still call that today, I don't know. But anybody who's truly, well, let's, let's go on a little further. Because I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. Leads them out. So he said, first, if you sneak over the wall, if you sneak over, excuse me, you sneak over the wall to get to a sheep, you're a thief or a robber. Why not just go through the gate? So he said, the gatekeeper opens for the shepherd of the sheep. Because he's coming through the door. Spiritually speaking, the gatekeeper would be the Holy Spirit. He's a protector, he's the gatekeeper, he watches out. The Holy Spirit watches out for us as we go through the life. So it says the gatekeeper opens, but yeah, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So yeah, come through the door. Gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus knows exactly who we are. You can't hide from him. No matter how much you think he's not paying attention, he is. He knows all of our names. He knows what makes us tick. He knows what we're thinking before we think it. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. 
He's there all the time. Now, after he has gathered his own flock, he's saying to God, just because you're born in this world doesn't mean you're part of his sheep. Yeah, I'll tell you why. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. Is the key. Gotta know the voice of the Lord. Whether it's through his word, or just have to know when you hear it. You're not going to always hear audible voices out of the clouds. Matter of fact, he doesn't speak to many people that way, if at all. He talks to you in your spirit, in the inside. He can talk to you through his word. He can talk to you through a dream. He can talk to you through other people. He can talk to you through the pain you're going through or your suffering you're going through. There's all different kinds of ways God can talk to you. He can prompt you to lead you to do something. And you don't even know why you did what you did, but you did it because God prompted you to do it. And it might have been to help somebody just at that right time. God had you in the right place at the right time. So it says, if he had to gather his own flock, he walks ahead of them. Jesus is always in the front. He's always going to lead if we let him lead. He's the one that controls everything. Because he knows sheep are going to go wherever the leader goes. They're going to follow him. Even if it's a slaughter, they're just going to follow him. They don't know any better by themselves. That's why people say, Oh, I don't need God. I can do this by myself. I have a mind of my own. I can think my own way. I can make my own decisions. I don't need that stuff. So you're not a sheep. You're not a sheep. <clears throat> Come on, voice. You're not a sheep. If that's the way you think, you're not one of his. Yeah, so, therefore, everybody born into the world is not automatically a sheep of Jesus Christ. You have to come his way. See, they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So people talking all this yin yang and, and talking all this stuff that's not biblically true, people are gonna run away from. Him. They're not gonna listen to him. A false prophet won't listen to you. Somebody was trying to turn the word of God around and make it politically correct, will now listen to you. You trying to take away from God's words, will now listen to you. You trying to add to his words, will now listen to you. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Right, let me stop there a second. All the people who tried to do it some other way other than God's way, they're thieves and robbers. So anybody who doesn't accept the Lord, as much as people don't like to hear that today in 2021, it still holds true. 
If you don't accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're not his sheep. You may think you're his sheep by your own opinion, but what what do you found? What are you basing it off of? What brought you to that conclusion that you're his no matter what? Just because? Who told you? How do you know? How do you prove it? If you don't believe the word of God, if you say, I don't believe the Bible, but that's the romance. So what do you base your belief off of? Gotta ask yourself that. Just because you feel like it? Nah, that's not good enough. Just because I feel like I'm a sheep doesn't make me a sheep. So all who came before me were thieves and robbers. They didn't want to do it God's way. They didn't want to do it my way. They want to try to do it some other kind of way. They're a thief and robber. But the true sheep did not listen to them. God's true sheep, those seasoned, those who believe God with all their heart, mind, and soul, they ain't going for anything. They're not just going to listen to anybody. All right? Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. There you go. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. So Jesus promises good pastures. So if you go out and come in, everything's going to be all right because you put your trust in him. Now, everything is not going to be rosy and peachy. And I'm not saying that because we live on this earth. Of course, we're going to try out trials. Of course, you're going to have life happen to you. That's just the way it is. You're going to live down here, you're going to have a lot of stuff happen to you. But the good thing is, that if you know him, he'll bring you out of your situation. He'll bring you out of your circumstance. Just keep trusting him. Be persistent. Uh, they will come and go freely and will find good pastures. Now, the thief's purpose is to kill steal, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. By the way, I'm reading the NLT. Okay, in case you know where I was reading from. It's still the Bible. Uh, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. See, when he said that if you sneak over the wall... Or you don't come through him. You don't do think do things God's way. You're a thief and a robber. So what is a thief's purpose? I mean, take look at it in the natural sense. A thief, if he's gonna rob your house when you're not home, hopefully, hopefully you're not home because he might kill you. But. He may jump over your back fence and he doesn't come through the door necessarily. He'll jump over the back fence, look for a window, sneak through. In other words, he's gonna sneak. And his job, what he's coming for, he wants to steal what you have. I'm talking the natural. And if you're if you're home, he might kill you. And destroy, he might set your house on fire when he leaves. 
cover up the murder, make it look like uh, you died in the fire when actually he killed you first. Now, in the spiritual sense, Satan and his imps and his people, I won't say imps, I'll say people, Satan and the people he uses throughout the world, that's what they come for. They can't stand a saint of God. They can't stand a follower of Christ. Because Satan hates God. And anything that's attached to him, he hates. So he hates the followers of Christ. So his job is trying to get your mind and, and you off of thinking about and serving Christ. His job is to come to steal what you have to steal your joy, to steal your peace, to steal anything you might know. He's coming to try to kill you. He can't kill you because he can't kill your spirit. Your spirit belongs to God. He wished you good, so he may try to kill you physically. He thinks he'll do something then, but that's not doing nothing, even if he kills you physically. Or if God allows, try to say God allows him to kill you physically. Because he can't just do it on his own. But he comes to kill. He wants to kill as many saints of God as he can. And destroy their life. Destroy everything they have. Whether it's uh, materialistically or spiritually. He wants to take that all away from you. Like I said, take away your joy. Take away your peace. Take away your long-suffering. In other words, your self-control. Take away your life tempers. Take, take away your patience and your perseverance. Take away your gentleness. Take away your goodness. All those fruit of spirit. He would love to take that away from you. Destroy it. That you can't do anything with the Lord properly anymore. But Jesus says his purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You know other words that I come that you may have life and you might have more abundantly. Same thing. You may try and make it something different, but it's the same thing. He wants to give you an abundant life. He wants to give you a satisfying life. And he wants you to be rich. Not, not rich with money, not rich in material things, but rich in spiritual things. So that you can help somebody else. So that you can be a light. Aren't we the light of the world and the soul of the earth? Well, that kind of rich. Jesus goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Understand something? He's letting you know right there that he just didn't come to earth to open blind eyes. He didn't just come to the earth to give people what they want. He didn't just come to earth he didn't come to earth to even be a king at that time. He said the good shepherd sacrificed his life for the sheep. That's why he came. We had a sinful well, well, why did he die for us? Because we had a sinful life. The people born before us, there are a lot of things wrong. Now, how many times God forgave them? They went right back into the sin. God would put them in captivity. They would cry out to him. He would rescue them. They'd do good for a little while. And they'd go right back into the scene. Going to, you know, it's a cycle. 
God said, no, we got to end this cycle. He sent his son to forgive him because it wasn't going to get it right. It wasn't going to obey the commandments on our own. We had no power to do that. However, it was the Lord that those commandments were given so that we could see how sinful we were. God said, uh, do not kill or do not facilitate, do not covet. God says, don't cover your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's goods. So he said, do not covet. That put it right in our face. Hmm. Boy, that, you know, put up today. Hmm. That thing was good. That, that computer was pretty good. That laptop will fit good. That laptop of theirs will feel, will uh, look good in my bedroom. Oh, that TV will look good in my living room. Hmm. So when you have to do not covet by man's sinful nature and women's sinful nature, once you say do not covet, that's what their mind wants to do, covet. So it's like a mirror. It brought it right up to our face. <laughs> The things we shouldn't do all of them, man found out. I keep saying man. When I say man, I mean man and women. They found out exactly what, what they were made of. God said, don't touch this. All of a sudden, I want to touch it. All right, in the natural, take a little kid. You tell them, don't touch that. What they want to do, touch it. You say, don't you put your hands on that. Now, it could be a hot oven. And you say, don't touch the oven door. What do they want to do? Touch the oven door. I always say, stop running and catching them before they touch the oven door. Let them touch it one time. They won't touch it no more when it's hot. Let them get burned one time. They'll learn. But nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> Jesus came to give his life to the sheep because it was sinful. Now he goes on to say, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. Hmm. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. Now let's see why. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. How true is that even up to today? You got a lot, yeah, I'll say it. You got a lot of preachers taking, taking this for money. They don't care nothing about the souls out there in the shares. They just want their money. And today, what they call it, or what they've been calling for a number of years now, that's my honorarium. Oh, shut up. There's nothing, no such thing as an honorarium. We made that up. <clears throat> but the Bible says the laborers were there as a hire. Yeah, no kidding. So that means what they want to give you, that's it. You don't set the pace. You don't set it up. But Paul said there's certain things that the uh, I think it's in Corinthians somewhere. Well, Paul saying there's certain things a preacher can uh, demand or command from people how to treat them. 
If somebody doesn't want to give you something from their heart, then you don't need it. God will take care of you. Now, by you shooting over your mouth and say, I want $1,500 for my preaching on Friday. I want uh, I want $2,000 if I'm going to run a revival about three days for you next month. You don't do it like that. You let God take care of you. And if you make yourself a full-time preacher, you did it. God didn't tell you to do it. You did it on your own. So therefore, if you only get $10, it's your fault. You don't want to, you don't want to say, I'm going to become a full-time preacher. Well, expect things not to work too good for you. See, we have to let the Lord lead us and guide us into things. When we do things on our own, we get into trouble. All right, let me go on, because I was talking about the hiring here. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. See that? So if, if the shift that he's working is like from uh, 9 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, all he cares about is the money he's going to make from 9 to 3. He don't care nothing about the sheep. If the wolf comes, oh well. If the wolf comes, he's gonna think about his own life. He's gonna be like, or she. Gonna be like, let me get out of here. He got sharp teeth. But what about this sheep? Ah, whatever. Survival of the fittest. I'm taking care of myself. I'm out of here. That's not Jesus. Jesus says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. We know Jesus. His true sheep know him. And you got a lot of sheep out there who call themselves sheep, who are not really sheep. But he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. So he knows who's real and who's not. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrificed my life for the sheep. Mm. Now, here's one thing that's controversial that shouldn't be. This next line. I have other sheep too. <clears throat> I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. And there will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, for, for a while, well, let's see, I guess I was in my 20s or 30s. The uh, Mormons started claiming that verse. I was like, oh, no, you don't. When he said, I have other sheep too, then others fold, the Mormons were claiming that was them. I was like, oh, boy. He's talking about the Gentiles. Remember, this was Jesus is, is a Jew. When he came down here, he walked as a Jew. He was talking to Jewish people. He was in Israel. So how much more Jewish are you going to get? And he's telling you, I have one other of another sheepfold that are not here. That's the Gentiles. Didn't God bring in the rest of us? who are not Jews in the book of Acts 
with uh, Peter Billion. Peter and Cornelius. Didn't he bring up the inland? That's when he brought the Gentiles in. That's the other sheep, not the Mormons. They can try to own that verse if they want, but it's not talking about them. Unless, of course, they give their life to the Lord. But it's not exclusively talking about only Mormons. Oh, no, you don't. The Mormons weren't even around when Jesus said this. How are they going to say it's about them? The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I can take it back again. All right, listen, listen to that very carefully. No one can take my life from me. That's what Jesus is saying. So, so even though we cry and get upset, we say, oh, the Romans killed him, the Romans beat him, and the Romans did this. He laid down his life so that they could do that to him because he loves us that much that he was willing to go to the cross and take that being from them. So he offered it up. They didn't take it from him. They didn't, they didn't take it from him. God didn't know what was happening. His father didn't know what was happening. It said, no one takes my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. There you go. That's why he came to earth. People say, oh, Jesus came on Christmas on December 25th to give us hope. No, that's not why he came. Get, like I always say, give you hope about what? Give you hope that you can be famous? Give you hope that you can be rich for money? No, that's not why he came. That's not the hope. He came to die. Because we were a sinful people, and all this stuff that cycle that I told you about earlier, that, that cycle that kept going on of the sin, captivity, I'm sorry, let's do it again, okay, sin, okay. No, to end that cycle, Jesus came. He didn't come to give hope and material things, He came to give sacrifice life. So we can accept him as Savior. Are you saying this in a mean way? Of course not. I'm saying this so that we can come to the Lord and accept him. Because we're in the era right now where we're going to catch a lot, a lot of stuff. Followers of Christ are going to catch a lot of flack. Because it's time for it. It's the prophetic time for it. This the prophetic time for, for socialism and Prophetic time for what I hear this morning. You know, the, the, the uh, revolutionaries who want to just change everything that America has been for the last 244 plus years. People want to change the whole thing. And it's all prophetic. Because this is what happens. I heard that. Uh, after about 250 years, an empire switches from west to east and then east back to west. So we're getting close to 250 years. Now don't 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 try and say oh it's gonna be exactly 250 years. No. It could be a little bit after that. It could be a little bit before that. But the bottom line is that, you know, the rough average 
is about 250 years for empire to last. And people have called the United States the empire for a long time. Well, our time is almost up. If history, history repeats itself. So if it's true, time is almost up. All right, let's go. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. Mm. See, you can't keep, you can't keep Jesus down. You can't keep the Lord down. Oh, I think I said that already. All right, well, I'll say it again. The father loves me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and to take it up again. See, so it was already set up before Jesus even came. This is what was going to happen. He's going to sacrifice his life. He's going to lay it down. He's going to take it up again. It was already planned. For this is what my father has commanded. When he said these things, the people were again divided in their opinions about him. Some said, ah, he's demon-possessed and out of his mind. Why listen to a man like that? Others said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open eyes or blind? And what are people saying today? He didn't possess. Well, Jesus didn't exist. Well, Jesus was too weak. Well, Jesus was this. He was out of his mind. Why are people listening to a man like that? Why are people reading the Bible? Why are people going to church? Why are people up praying? Why are people doing this? See, when a person has a mind like that, they'll never experience the love of God. Unless, unless God deemed it so. That he wants to open somebody's eyes. But a person who, but for most people, <clears throat> once you start talking like that, you have no belief in, in what you want to do, kick, kick, um, kick against the word of God. You're not going to see nothing. Because it takes belief. What was it saying in uh, Hebrews 11 and 6? For without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those who come to him must believe that he is, that he exists in other words. You gotta believe he exists in the first place, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if I don't have the faith and I don't believe he exists, that's what it's gonna take. So if I'm talking the opposite of that, I ain't gonna say nothing. Because, oh, no, 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 it doesn't mean that. What does it mean then? Read it again. Uh, Hebrews 11 and 6. He that comes to God must believe that he is. you got to believe that he at least exists. Now, if you don't even believe that, what do you expect to see? How do you expect to get saved? How do you expect to come in? I can witness to you 500 times a day. If you don't have to, if you only been thinking there's a God, why am I talking to you now? I shouldn't be talking to you 500 times a day. 
if I already know that you're atheist, that's just, that's not shown in wisdom on my part. But nevertheless, this is what people were saying. He didn't possess and had his mind while listening to a man like that. Or they said, this doesn't sound like a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open eyes on blind? The miracles that God did. Now, let me say this. That's where I'm going to go. We're going to stop there. That's verse uh, 21 we stopped at. 10th chapter of St. John. <clears throat> now this, what I'm about to say, this is just a personal opinion, but I really feel it's based off of truth. This past year with this, with this coronavirus, I believe the saints of God have been squeezed to trust God, believe God, even though they didn't see anything. I believe God was getting us to trust him. Before we start to see manifestations, we have to have our trust in the Lord. Like I said, this is amazing. So I believe this whole year of not seeing a lot of stuff, a lot of manifestations that we've been praying for, I think the reason we're not seeing them is not because they're not going to be answered. But I think that we have to have our trust in the Lord because for so many decades, we have lost our trust in God. So many people have, they're not affiliated with a church and they don't believe in Christ anymore. There's so much falling away that has happened according to 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3. There's so much that has happened that, uh, because of this falling away, God has to bring the sins of God back to being able to trust in Him. Then He'll move. Okay, just finished saying, He wants faith. He moves by faith. Faith, perseverance, belief, those 11, 11 things I always do when uh, people I pray with on Tuesday. We always go with perseverance and and seeking his face and praying, turning from our wicked ways, not being double-minded, obedience, <clears throat> this word faith, believe, thanksgiving. I may have missed one or two, forgive me. But I think I had 11 things. These things we pray, we have to believe God. So I believe this past year with this pandemic, it's for the to God to trust him more. It's like, okay, even though you don't like the Lord is saying, even though you don't see anything, or you still want to trust me, even though I haven't manifested a lot of stuff yet, or you still want to trust me, or you still want to pray to me, or you still want to be persistent, or you still want to believe, or you still want to have faith. A double-minded man or woman is unstable in all their ways. Let them, that person, think they're going to receive anything from the Lord. That's Bible. That's James chapter 1, verse, I think, 6 to 8. So we have to understand that. At the same time, what I'm saying is I believe God's going to bring the manifestation. We'll be able to praise Him like never before. I haven't heard this morning. 
that um, all this time they were saying with the vaccination, people have, you know, people, saints have been praying for God to supernaturally do something to get rid of this COVID-19. And I just heard this morning that all the time with the vaccine, they're saying it has to be kept at 50 below zero, you know, for it to be, offered it to work. And, you know, nothing else is going to work. Then I heard this morning that, no, somebody, somebody says that regular refrigeration is good enough. So you talking about going from 50 below zero to 40 above zero or 30 above zero. Now, if that's true, then that means a lot of places can just put stuff in the refrigerator and don't have to worry about it. Don't have to worry about, oh, it's going to go bad. Oh, we have 14 boxes over here and we haven't gotten to them yet. And it's been five days. Yeah, I know I know that temperatures have definitely fallen. You don't have to worry about that. People throwing out vaccines because they, they got too warm. If regular refrigeration is good enough, that's going to help a lot. That's if. Now, the, the problem is, see, this is the problem when I'm trusting the Lord. So many things have happened over the last year that people don't know who to believe in. So when somebody comes out with something, they're like, can I believe that? Well, so-and-so said this, and I heard this on that network, and I heard that on that news, and I heard that there, and I read that over there. I don't know who to believe. Satan is the author of confusion. He loves that. The world doesn't know where to turn right now, but the followers of Christ know where to turn. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep pressing. We're going to keep believing. Yeah, we haven't seen stuff, a lot of stuff the last year, but we still believe God. And that's what God wants, that, that lock-in. He wants us to lock-in. Didn't I just read that Jesus knows his sheep and the sheep know him? So we know who we have to look to to fix this coronavirus, to fix the economy, to fix things. Now, remember also what I said, Empire fall after about 250 years they shift to the east and who's the, who's the biggest problem right now? China they're from the east aren't they? and they've been on the outside for the longest time but nevertheless what I'm trying to say is no matter what's going on the world is going in one direction the sins of God are going in another direction but as we go in that other direction, we're trying to take as many with us to be saved and to trust in God. Because there's nothing but confusion is going to stay in the world if it stays like it is. So God bless you. Have a smile upon you. Don't let anybody change your mind. If if you're uh, in this race, keep praying. That's what I have to do. That's what we all have to do. Even if we don't see any manifestations, what you've been doing the last year, you've been praying and believing God, keep doing it. Don't stop. Because the manifestations, manifestations are going to come soon enough. And they're going to be right on time. All this holding out, 
It's for a reason. What well, those holding out is going to pay off after a while. God told us that when our faith and power will please Him, and He's going to put us to the test, and He has, so we better hold on. I'm not mad. I'm just passionate and anxious for people to get saved. I know people don't, I know we don't say nothing, but that's all right. God's in control. And the world may not get it at all, but we we have to get it. We say we trust God, we love God, we know God. Jesus is the door of the sheep, and he's, he's, he's the bread of life, and he's this and that. If we really believe that, then we have to hold on. And I got to stop because I'm going for another hour. So in Jesus' name, stay encouraged and keep pressing on no matter what. Amen.